Today is Thursday, April 1st, 2010, and this is Make It So. Happy April Fool's Day! Well, we got Johnny Haliva back with us, and Neil's with me as always, and we're going to jump straight into talking about the cards. Let's take a look at the team's different entries for challenge number six. The first image was one of my favorites. It's the almost last shot of the last episode of Voyager. Right off the bat, for me, the fact that uh, one of them was a mission. I thought was uh, extremely interesting. That was a creative take. I'm interested to hear what your guys' opinions of that, that mission are. I thought that was though, a more creative way to look at it than uh, a standard event. But not to take anything away from the Federation entry, that is a very interesting event as well. A lot going on there. I think the Federation entry endgame, it's almost a little bit redundant, but that's not a bad thing if you're playing in a meadow with a lot of event destruction. Both teams had some good things that were going on in their cards, and then both have some problems. I'm not real keen on a one-span space mission in the Earth solar system. Yeah, it's got that Delta Quadrant stuff, and it would only be 20 points for a PNG deck, but they really don't need any more easy points to get. The problem I have with this card, Return Home, is I think it actually exceeds the power curve. Span, to me, is one of the most important factors in the entire game. Oh, no argument there. And when you look at this mission, you only have to complete one Delta Quadrant mission to make this a 30-point mission, which sticks it right in the in the attribute requirement for for its requirement. I mean, integrity greater than 32 would be about a 30-point mission. For me, with Return Home, I think the concept was there, and that's where I give it most of its props. I like the idea of the storytelling aspect of the last mission you will do, returning to Sector 001. I think the execution, however, it starts to break apart a little, or a lot bit. The attributes are low, the span is low, the ability for any Federation faction to attempt the mission. The idea was there, it didn't really uh, come together. My biggest problem with the the Federation team's entries is, I don't know why they bothered to put the, if you don't win, you lose text on there. I mean, that just means you'd never, ever, ever, ever use it unless you knew you were going to win. It sort of circumvents the natural liability of doing a long journey home deck. Is there anything in the game currently that you could negate that long journey home? No. Or is it because it's being placed, it circumvents event destruction? It would circumvent all existing event destruction because you're you're placing it, not playing it. I understand why the temporal keyword is on there, too, because they wanted future Janeway to go download it, but I don't think the image that they're talking about, the story, the exact story that they captured, has anything to do with time travel, and I think that keyword should not be on there. Ooh, I'll, I'll jump in on the other side of the fence there, Charlie. I, I think that's one of the really nice detailed touches of that card. Not only that, but the, the title on that card with the Federation entry endgame, I actually like that element. The next image was one of the ones that all three of us really liked, Odo and Kira's first kiss. Uh, One of the teams made a dilemma, and the other team made an interrupt. Well, I see a four-cost dilemma that has the ability to stop two personnel, but has a way out of it. So I guess there are some other dilemmas in the game that have interesting mechanics on, on that, where there's potentially an easy way to get out of it. 
I think this dilemma should maybe cost two, not four. I agree with Neil. Um, I was actually, of all the nine cards, I think the, the cards made for this particular image kind of disappointed me the most. In particular, for the dilemma that the Borg entered, as a player, I, I'd never touch this. Losing five cards, you essentially chew up four counters on a, on a dilemma play. And um, you get to overcome a dilemma, which is huge. I'm really surprised that Love is in the Air got through the gamers on that team. What about the Federation's entry? I was also somewhat disappointed with this entry also. There's some interesting aspects to it. I've just found it very situational. You know, as the game grows, maybe that's the route some of these cards have to go. I just wasn't particularly thrilled with it, with the gaming aspect. And you know, as I stated last week, I want to see cards that I want to use. And, and this one, for me, isn't one of those. Certainly one of the most long-awaited cards, and, and one of the most potentially controversial, was the image of the Defiant. Not unsurprisingly, both teams made starships. I came in on very clear-cut on the Federation side of things. Starting with the name alone, ISS Defiant actually is, is the way I would have gone. With a, with a gun to my head, that's the one I would have gone with as far as a naming structure. Jumping through the card, <laughs> there definitely seems to be a dispute on what class of ship this is, and at least according to my knowledge of Star Trek, I believe it's a Constitution class. Um, I gotta ding the feds on that one, at least if I, if I know my Star Trek. Going to what really matters for me, the ability on the card, that's where the Federation comes out really strong and ahead of, of the Borg entry. I like what's going on there as a Starfleet ability, the evil Starfleeters being able to discard the opponent's hand. I really like that. Giving a little love to the Borg, I actually can't. <laughs> I do not like what they came up with. Once again, this time for the Borg, very situational. Boy, there's, there's a lot of caveats in that ability. Clear cut. Federation win for that one. I look at these two Defiant ships, and I have to say that I, I like the Federation card better, but it's not so much that the Federation won, it's that the Borg lost. I can't get over the, the misnaming of the ship. There's so many people with their eyes on these cards, and that's such a staple class of ship in this game that I have no idea how they managed to miss it. But when we look over to the board card, it's almost confusing and difficult to the point where the, the ability just doesn't even make any sense. I mean, I, I get it, but I don't like it. And contrasted with the Federation ability is about perfect. It's really difficult to look at a card with perfect game text on it, and then they completely missed something really obvious. I understand what the Borg is doing, and the Borg is, Borg is doing Federation hate. They recognize that the Federation is very powerful in the current meta, and... They made an ability that will punish the Federation. I don't think it works. I mean, I sort of understand what's going on there and that Hoshi's killing Archer to take over the ship to go back to Earth to take over the Empire, but it is very situational. I'm not sure it, it works out the way it should. Another missed opportunity there by not making an upgrade ability on a TOS ship, even though it's on a different culture. Oh, good point. Good point. I, yeah. I, that didn't even cross my mind, Charlie. The Federation gets points for doing that, but I also think they grossly undercosted theirs. I mean, the Romulans usually pay one or two counters to get rid of one card out of your hand. And granted, they remove it from the game, which is better than discarding. One or two counters to take out one card versus two counters to take out potentially seven cards seems kind of out of whack. That's something I actually really like about the Federation's Defiant. They made a very momentous occasion in Enterprise history loom out there for the, the opponent. If I sit down and I got Starfleet, and my opponent, he knows that I could be thrown down ISS Defiant at any time, it's going to force my opponent 
to play slightly different, maybe not fill up the hand with seven cards throughout the game. And and I, for, for such a big moment um, in Star Trek history, I think it fits well with that card. I like that aspect. The next image was the probably the goofiest one of the bunch, at least in my opinion. Janeway and Tuvok with the 3D glasses on, and, and both teams made events out of that. I thought the Federation event was kind of almost pointless. I actually really like it. I, I think it's strong. The Federation entry... I like that you can go get the Doctor. He's a four cost in almost every Voyager deck. And also you have all those evil revised holograms as well. I like what I'm seeing here with the Federation entry. The, the one subtlety that I like, it's a good marking time card for Voyager. You, you could put a couple of those in your deck, and if you happen to draw one in your opening hand and not get a Voyager and not have other events you can play, I can play it to waste three counters and go download the Doctor and I can't play him, but now he's in my hand so that when I do play Voyager the next turn, I can put him on Voyager for free. It's, I like it's that. It's sort of a, it's a good way to waste up my first turn's worth of counters so I don't end up having to draw a bunch and wasting them. Other than that, I don't like it. When it comes to the Borg, kind of two in a row here for me. Uh, this one didn't do a lot for me. I, I think it's an interesting way to cycle your deck, to grind through it. This was not an inspired entry for me. It's difficult to get stuff from the bottom of your deck. If you play McCoy to pull the two dilemmas back, or if you play Eva McCoy to kill someone, and then you go attempt to survey a new world for one and just send them to the bottom of your deck. There's already an event that lets you do it, unless you pull a couple cards back, but that event gets removed from the game. This one lets you get your McCoy back and just goes to the discard pile. So with three-dimensional viewings, uh, three second chances, you're looking at facing a McCoy in one respect or another, every turn. That's a great point, Neil. One I hadn't thought of, and I, I think you're spot on. If the Borg teams brings this to the Master 45-card set, they should definitely consider removing this from the game. It's it's really bad when you lose your best guy every turn because Evil McCoy just decides to operate. The fifth card was from Enterprise. It was the big shocking season ender where... Daniels pulls Archer out of the timeline to save his life, and that ends up destroying Earth. We have the Borg who created a dilemma, and the Federation who created a interrupt. Johnny, what did you think of the dilemma unintended consequence? This one, I've gone back and forth on. For me, it's one of the stronger entries from the Borg. I think it's an interesting card. I, I keep saying interesting. I think as a gamer, I would consider using it. This okay. card is... A giant middle finger to James Tiberius Kirk. If I'm going to hard stop you, but you're going to auto-solve next turn, if I can put this on there to stop you from yeah. killing off a, a dilemma, I mean, it doesn't stop you from killing a dilemma, but it keeps you from reusing Kirk. It's probably way too expensive, but it's oh, not see, useless. See, I think that's the key, Charlie. As we're talking about it, and this is where I, my struggle is, that consume two is brutal. Brad and others will hate me for saying this. They'll probably go, yeah, he's crazy. But to me... That should be a zero-cost, no-consume dilemma. I hate it that it consumes, because it doesn't prevent the dilemma prevention effect. So, if I'm playing a Kirk deck, there's a strong chance I've got three Kirks in the deck. So if you RFG one, I don't care. I'm playing another one next turn anyway. It doesn't matter. And this card did absolutely nothing but consume two and just give me two free dilemmas. I'm fine with that. The consume two is just so expensive. I agree with Johnny. This should be a zero-cost, zero-consume dilemma that floats around like secret identity. What did you think of the Federation's entry? They, ma they made an interrupt. Now, I 
really like seeing both the past and the future icons on this card. It kind of adds a little bit of a, a colorful ambiance to the game text of the card. I'm not so sure that I like the effect all that much because it costs you a dilemma, but on the other hand, Things that stop or prevent killing your personnel that don't come from dilemmas are, are also powerful. I really like how it's exactly from the show. I really like this card. It might not have been the strongest entry for the Federation, but also I love the past and future icon. I think it's a really strong ability and almost warrants a deck build of past and future. And you throw three of these in your deck, especially in a tragic turn heavy meta or just a kill 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 meta could be very interesting they know all the secrets that you hide section 31 is all your intelligence for the star trek second edition and first edition card game and tribbles so tune in section 31 at danhammond.com slash section 31 The next card was the Technicolor Brains. I love it. Starting with the Federation, boy, that's a wall of text. Any dilemma, I gotta read more than four times here to try to catch what's going on. Very difficult. I, especially given some of the feedback I've heard from previous weeks, I'm, I'm surprised they ended up going with a seven-line dilemma. Moving on to the Borg. I liked what's going on here, but I didn't love it. As somebody who's played against plenty of those, I'll attempt with four, you'll draw three, and you get to spend two type decks. I love that the designers are trying to combat that sort of thing. This is a three-cost event. It's unique. It can be destroyed on a whim. This isn't going to solve any problem. So I give them credit for identifying a problem, knowing it's, it's an issue in the meta. But boy, once again, the execution here for the board, not, not impressed. I think the Borg's entry in Gamester's Paradise would be ten times better if it were non-unique. I think the idea's there, it's really cool, but just pulling one guy across the galaxy is not necessarily going to stop me from attempting with less than six personnel. If I know I can complete the mission with four, I send five. Alright, cool, one of them goes away. If it was non-unique and I could have three of these in play, well, now all of a sudden micro-teaming's not very cool because half my guys might get poofed across the universe. Other than that, I like the idea. The high stakes dilemma, I really like it. It kind of feels just like uh, up the ante. If I'm playing a capture deck, under no circumstances am I going to play a card that gives you a chance to get all of your captives back for nothing. Because there, there's just too many ways to sneak past dilemmas, and short of me playing this followed by Big Mama Horda, I cannot guarantee that I'm going to stop you. And if, if I play this, and I've got four captives in my brig, and I've got psych pressure out, and I've got tribunal sentencing out, and I've got you locked down, why would I ever play with this dilemma? I guess I see your problem where you don't want to give your opponent an opportunity to get all the captives back. I look at it from a different direction of, if you're going to go do a mission, you're not going to succeed your first time. I'm, I'm going to make sure you Can you 100% guarantee that? You play Harsh Conditions, Rogue Borg, Ambush, I play Bridge Officer's Test, and I solve, and I just sprung every captive you spent the entire game capturing. Oh. All right, so next is Captain Pike in the chair, and the Borg created an event, whereas the Federation took a chance and created a personnel. I will just say that I'm going to start positive. I like the Federation choice of creating a personnel here. I think that the skills 
I think are debatable. I think he should have honor an officer. I like the ability. I think that they captured what um, what Captain Pike was about. Um, rushing to, to a mission gives you a bonus. I thought everything was in line with what I wanted to see on a Christopher Pike card. The attributes, I don't know. I, I'd love to hear a justification on how he can be a strength two. Maybe there's some <laughs> unwritten rule that there can never be a strength one. Is there a strength one in the game? I, off the top of my head, I can't think of one. The lowest strength in the game right now is a two, and as far as I know, there's two people that have it. It's old Admiral McCoy and Melora Pazlar. And okay. to and be honest, both both of them could kick his butt. He definitely yeah, should be a one. I think so. I, it, Christopher Pike in the chair warrants a one. So for all those Fed designers out there, let, let's let's maybe relook at that. Interesting card, useful ability, goes into my TOS deck. Maybe because I'm not even hesitating on that, that might be a danger sign. There there might be a costing issue there. I thought they actually did a really good job designing this this personnel. I don't think he should have leadership. Completely agree with giving him honor, and of course he he is an officer. So I understand that that giving him a strength two would be playing it safe because that if you if you made him less than knight, you'd be breaking uh, our convention that we've seen in the game. But I agree with the other guys that you probably could have made him strength one or maybe even a zero. I'm wondering how he can actually have a, an integrity and cunning of as high as he does. Other than that, I, I kind of like a one-cost personnel that doesn't really do a lot, except for one turn, <laughs> which which was kind of from that episode. So The card Tragic Fate, the other one with Christopher Pike on it, I'm kind of I'm wondering about how this card would work a little bit, actually. So does that mean if I say McCoy and you play McCoy, you can't use his upgrade ability, or you can't pay for his upgrade ability? That's an interesting rules question. That That's a very gray area. That's a very dangerous ground to be meddling with. There are a number of unwritten rules for the designers about cost. There's a reason the rule is in the game that the cost is what that little number is in the circle. Anytime you're messing with that, you're risking a lot. I certainly understand the idea that's going on here is that it can hamper some, some decks that are running around rampant, but... The stuff that comes to mind is you can say McCoy, and now you can never play McCoy for his upgraded ability, except I'm not convinced you can't. Johnny, what are your thoughts on Tragic Fate? Ooh, not my favorite card. My my biggest issue with this, and it really goes back to the crux of the challenge, which is take an image and make, make a very cool card out of it, and this card... I just look at it as a missed opportunity. I I don't get why the game text correlates really with with Captain Pike. That game text could be on a thousand other concepts. Really, it could. And and maybe if a board designer wanted to tell me exactly what's going on there, maybe I'd get it a little bit more. But but boy, I I, I don't get Captain Pike in the chair with that card. That it's it's not it's missing. It's missing. Yeah yeah, it doesn't really make sense that Captain Pike would hurt his comrades from doing their thing oh absolutely I, I i agree and and that's my biggest beef with the card i don't really get what the card's doing i think you can start to get into very quickly it just raises a lot of questions well that brings us to our penultimate card the folian and nobody chose to make a personnel which i'm gonna say disappointed i was i was hoping that somebody would stand up and be like we're gonna make a personnel out of a glowing technicolor rock i see the dilemma and i see where they're going with this i almost think that the ability is overcosted because it's so easy to get around 
I, I like the concept. I, I'm not sold on the implementation. Interrupt, I thought, was actually really interesting. Borg team really seems uh, bound and determined to punish micro teams. The Tholian diplomacy seems to punish uh, all cards like Mott and Vic and, and Damar, Rats, and all the other cards that reduce your draws by one. So I like it. Only in Diplomacy, the Borg entry. I liked what they were thinking here. Strong game text, nothing crazy. Four lines of text, I liked it. I do think, though, like Charlie mentioned, um, for both entries, I would have loved to see what creative members of the teams could have come up with for a character. We've never seen a Tholian in 1E or 2E, and boy, maybe people are gun-shy, but this was the big chance to see a Tholian uh, and, and see what, what the teams would have come up with. What would the strength have been? What kind of integrity do they have? Ah, oh, man, I, 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 I hate to keep saying missed opportunity, but ooh, boy. Yeah, but you really do have to give the board props. They did make a, just a really solid card. No argument from me, Neil. It's solid gameplay. But as far as this challenge is concerned, where the images came first, I think that ends up swaying my opinion of the two versions over to the Federation side, which I haven't talked about yet. What I like is they took the Tholian image, the crux of that episode, they really brought some of that sternness that the Tholians have. You, If you do this, you must do that. The fact that they brought in the, the lore of precisely one hour and 53 minutes, it's a delaying action. It's, it's a timing issue. And that is reflected on the game text. I think, ultimately, both entries were strong. I would like to see both cards out there. Maybe, maybe though, with only in warning, drive down that cost a little bit. I, I, I'd like it a lot more at a one. I'm not going to be reckless and say a zero, but it might be a little heavy on the cost for what you end up getting. They kind of went conservative on a lot of their cards. So two is a, is a conservative number, and, and usually it does cost three or four to kill a personnel, and in this dilemma it does cost two, but the ability, the, a way to kill a personnel is hard. <laughs> Well, the only other thing I toss in on the Borg entry, and it's a carryover from the previous card with Captain Pike, why is this game text, which I agree, I, I like, but why is this on, on the Tholian image? Why is this Tholian diplomacy? I think it's pretty clear that the, the Borg team decided at some point that their Project Xavier was going to just absolutely shut down microteaming, and they said, well, we don't really, we know what some of these challenges are going to be, and we don't know what other these challenges are going to be, so we might as well jam as much anti-microteaming stuff as we can onto this. I kind of get the idea about where they're going with it, in that the Tholians are going to punish you if you break the rules, right? Yes. If you do everything the way that you're supposed to do it, the Tholians are going to be okay with you. But as soon as you start doing stuff you're not supposed to be, you know, you're, you're spending too much time where you're supposed to be, you're going somewhere you're not supposed to be, then they're going to start coming at you and doing all sorts of bad things to you. The Wounded is one of my personal favorite episodes. That was the last image that the teams had to work with. We have one event and one interrupt. Let's talk about these cards. Well, I agree with you, Charlie. It's one of the reasons I chose this image. Love that episode. It's the perfect Miles moment. But what I really like about the, the uh, Federation entry is that it's given some love to ground combat in this game. I don't think it's a perfect card. I like what the design team's doing. They're, they're looking at something that could use some love, an aspect of the game, and they're putting some decent game text on the card. Uh, it doesn't last for a long time. It's a, just one turn. But this, in combination with, with something else, if I'm reading it correct, like this could, this could dogpile onto another event, correct? Oh, yeah. I'm already smelling dudes at stats minus three and stats minus four. But keep in mind, it's only for one turn. I'm sticking with I like it. 
I look at this event wounded warriors. I mean, I like it because it really does give a nod to combat, and combat's really underused. Even even in my battle heavy decks, uh, combat is just not something that that's easy to get by. Uh, I should probably focus on it more because it's very powerful, but but it's hard to do. I mean, there's a couple dilemmas like arena and left behind that can put your guys at another mission far away. If you were running a, a good, solid Wounded Warriors uh, Dominion stats reduction deck, you might get through your space mission, but by the time you get to your planet mission, I play this. I go over to the to Genesis planet, or whatever the span 4 uh, planet mission is that your guys are at, and I go battling. And now you're wounded uh, with, with Misdirection, your stats minus 2. With Bashir Founder, your your stats minus three, and if if Khan's one of those guys that did the battling, well, now your stats minus four. Next turn, I play this and a combat card. Next turn, I get it back from the discard pile, play a combat card, and your stats minus four again. Honestly, the only deck that's really going to use this is probably the Dominion Stat Reduction Infiltrator deck. So I would have liked to just see the Infiltrator keyword on this. O'Brien did sort of beam aboard his ship through the shields and do all that. Would have been a bit of a stretch. Just acknowledge that that's what this card's for and put it on there so it works even better for the Dominion. With the Borg entry, I'm really not trying to be harsh on this. Interrupt. Help me out, Neil. Tell, tell me why I should like this interrupt. You should like this interrupt because stopping personnel is a key mechanic in this game and preventing the stop of those personnel is usually very, very powerful. The ability to, to run into a dilemma that stops one or two people and make it stop zero or one people, but they still have to pay the full cost on that dilemma is really huge. I'm getting on the same page. I think this is one of those cards, Neil, as, as you're kind of talking about it, I'm starting to get it. And let, let me just say I'm liking this. I really like that card. I think it's just a good, solid card all around. I think unstopping personnel is a, a difficult mechanic to work with because stopping personnel from completing missions is really so integral to the game that the prevention of stop personnel really just makes a lot of dilemmas fail. For, for that reason, there's a bunch of dilemmas I just don't even play with because if somebody unstops a personnel, nothing else happens. Well, this this ends that that game real quick. Not only does it end it, but your Janeway that you just unstopped is gone. Okay, so we just talked about all of the cards head to head. Let's talk about the team's entries overall. Well, for me, with the Borg, I think one of their real strengths were the game text, were some of the uh, abilities on the cards. As a gamer, I liked what I saw in several of the cards. Let me just say, for me, with this challenge, I wanted to see more creativity than I than what I got from the board. In other podcasts, I've heard it be said, uh, playing it safe. I think there was some of that going on here. I And maybe they just, on the board team, they didn't have the ability, the time. I, I don't know the reasoning, but, but I really just didn't feel the storyline, trekky, creative push that all of these images weren't. When I look at the board entries here, I see a lot of half ideas that if they could put together would be awesome. Like some of the cards either have, they took that picture and they just built a great story around it or or their storyline they just nailed right from that part of that episode. Uh, or on another card, they kind of missed the mark, but they made a good card where the card itself works really, really well, but it doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with the picture. It's kind of like if they could take those two things and mash them together on one card where they had a great storyline 
with a fantastic picture and then a great text, they, they do well. I like some of their cards. There, there's a couple cards in here I didn't like, but then there's, there's a couple cards here that, that I mean, I mean the, the interrupts, I really, really enjoyed their interrupt. And, and I think the costume issues on a couple of the cards, I know we don't really give them costume scales. I think they'd work themselves out in playtesting. So, so, so that's probably okay, but, but all in all, lots of really great half ideas. The, the Federation, I think, had a couple of really great cards on them, but I think that the couple of cards that, that I really liked were when they were really able to mesh the picture on the card with a great piece of game text or with a, with a great piece of lore and really tell a story on the card. And they got it all to work together, and they got it all to feel right. Balanced a little bit with a couple of cards that didn't think really worked all that well. If I were to make a guess, I think I'd probably put the Federation above the Borg a little bit, just because they had a couple of cards that were, in my mind, just home runs. I was really impressed by the Federation entries. One through nine, really, really solid work. Doing what I was hoping to see, which was pushing the creative envelope, daring daring some of these images to live up to the game text. And I think they came through with the game text on, on, a, uh, on a majority of these cards. I also would agree with Neil. There's, there are some home runs in the Federation entry. I, I love the, the Defiant. It's it, it got some mixed feedback here, but Light and Motion I thought was really strong. All the way to Christopher Pike with a few tweaks here and there via my TOS deck yesterday. So very nice work. It is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not a weakness. That is life. Well, this cha these challenges seem to be getting more popular and more popular. It's really exciting to see uh, these teams build up a great set of cards. And, and I personally have enjoyed watching every single one of these. And I just really hope the teams are having as much fun building these cards as Charlie and I are having, uh, reading these cards and commenting on these cards. We'll see you guys next time for another fantastic challenge. Johnny, thanks for being a guest judge and uh, being a guest on our podcast. I hope you had fun. Oh, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, Charlie. Uh, judge this to come up with some of these images. Well, all of the images. And uh, thanks for having me here for the podcast. And also, thank you to all the participants in the contest. Keep in mind, I'm just one guy who gets the pretty pictures. Please don't take anything I said personally. Really, truly, both teams did fine work here. And I can't wait to see the rest of this contest and hopefully uh, to work with the eventual winner on a future expansion. Well, that's all for our podcast today. We've given you our first thoughts on all of the cards. It's time for you to go out and tell us what you thought. Visit our website at www.trekcc.org. Look for the challenge number six voting entry and tell us what your favorite cards were, what your least favorite cards were, and help pick the winner. Voting closes Monday, April 5th at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm Charlie Plain. And I'm Neil Timmons. And I'm Johnny Haliva. And in the immortal words of Captain Picard, make it soon. Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License. For more information, visit www.creativecommons.org.
Some of the music in today's podcast is brought to you podsafe free from Mebio's Music Alley. For more information, visit www.musicalley.com. Make it so. The search for the next assistant game designer is brought to you by the Continuing Committee, home of the first and second edition Star Trek CCG. For more information, please visit www.treckcc.org, www.trekcc.org.